The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. How incredible is the story about the missing submersible, the viewer pod? Uh, five people went down in this viewer pod to go and have a look at the wreck of the Titanic on Sunday. It's gone missing. There's 30 hours of oxygen left, so a race against time. Uh, search teams say that they did hear knocking in the vicinity that it went missing, so they are searching for it. It really is a race against time, so we'll keep an eye on that one for you and update you if we hear anything at all. Consumer price inflation, good news for consumers. That's a relief. We speak so often about the high price of food and uh, beverages as well. So food inflation is easing. Uh, overall, consumer price inflation slowing to uh, 6.3% from 6.8% in April. Uh, that's the, the May figure. I think I said April a bit earlier on, but that's clarity there. Uh, so we will speak about that uh, with Stats a bit later on. But let's start with the situation in Dipsluit because the There have been protests, service delivery protests, but primarily the protests are over the high crime rate, uh, with many residents in Dipsluit saying the escalating murder stats in the area have left them living in perpetual fear. The Dipsluit Community Forum saying that four people have been murdered in the past week, including a prominent community leader as well. They want the president to intervene here. They say that they're going to go to the union buildings and protests there. They want the president to visit the area. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, is in Dipsluit for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Firstly, what is the picture there today? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, things have uh, calmed down here in Dipsluit today. It is day three of the protests, Mandy. Over the past two days, there were very, very violent protests whereby uh, angry uh, deep suit residents were burning tires, blockading roads, and were also burning or torching some of the homes of people who are believed to be uh, tormenting community members through crime and, and uh, uh, gangsterism in the area. So today, uh, the community leaders have requested the community members to calm down a little bit just so that uh, they can head to the union buildings and engage with the office of the presidency. And of course, this is in hopes uh, that the president visits the area. Now, just to give you a little bit of uh, a link between some of these issues that are being experienced in many communities in Johannesburg, similar issues happened in Westbury a few months ago where the community wanted the president to come there. However, that never happened. But Police Minister Peggy Tele was sent to the community instead. So this might be the same for the community of, of uh, Deep Sloot. Uh, maybe Peggy uh, Tele might be sent there in the next few days. But let's take a listen to some of the demands of uh, uh, the Deep Sloot uh, community forum. Uh, we have made a peaceful process, protest uh, uh, a week ago. We've made the same call where we were going house to house, shark to shark, to shark demolishing uh, sharks that we believe are harboring criminals. Uh, we, we have realized that our call to request the president to come here has not uh, been, been, been uh, had. In the past two days, we have seen people on the street protesting, burning tires, uh, because they feel that the only language to communicate with the, uh, our leaders is through violence. Now, today we have decided to say, let's suspend that. Let's engage uh, 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 the office of the president. Let's engage union building. 
So, Alpha, this issue in, in Dipstead has been long-running. There have been concerns for, for years, if not decades, in Dipstead around uh, crime. There was a police station that was built there. What has been the catalyst in the past few days that now we are seeing this violence again? Well, it seems, Mandy, the murder of a community leader uh, who was just murdered not so long ago has uh, awakened the anger from the community members and, you know, for the residents, if uh, a community leader who's quite uh, well-known in the area who fights for their needs uh, is, is now, well, falls victim to, to what exactly what he was fighting against, that exactly makes uh, the community members angry. And it seems like until uh, the presidency does something, they are going to continue protesting in the community of Deep Sleuth. So, Mandy, it was all in all triggered by the recent murder of, of one of the community leaders in the area. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter in Dipstuart for us. Well, let's speak now to Lefa and Kala, who's the leader of the Dipstuart Community Forum. Lefa, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for your time. On the back of what Alpha is saying there, what exactly are the concerns of the residents of Dipstuart? No, no, the concerns of our people is that the crime rate in our area have just, you know, went up. Our people are getting killed. The worst situation is that... Um, our leader, you know, he have, he have been killed now, the former chairperson of, of the CPF. And even young children are getting shot at. So we are very much uh, concerned as the community of, of Dipslot. Hence, we have seen all these things that were happening uh, yesterday. Why is it that you want the president to intervene here? No, no. The president must intervene because uh, we have been in engagement with ministers. You'll remember. We have been in talks with Minister Kwele, Aaron Motswaridi, but even after the engagement and their intervention, there is no solution. People kept on to be killed in our area. So we want a permanent solution. That is why even today the delegation of our leadership is in the union building you know, to meet the presidency so that they pursue the president to come to, to Dipslut. We think that once the president can come with all the ministers whom will be able to provide the solution in our problem. After that meeting, we'll move out of that meeting with a permanent solution. Lefe, you speak about a permanent solution. I know, I know in the past there have been issues around Dipsluit. A new police station was built there. There used to only be a satellite police station. What does this permanent solution look like for you? What do you want to happen? You know, um, when Minister came to, to Deep Slot, you'll remember they deployed the TRT, the special detectives, and all that. And in the past uh, weeks, there were, you know, TRT from other provinces. But the very same TRT, you know, individuals, they will be found driving in the main road. Our people are dying in squatter camps, where the minister and his people, they will tell you that they cannot even drive their beautiful cars in those areas. And that's where people are dying. So we want the president to tell us if people who've got a responsibility, a constitutional responsibility to protect our, our people in Detroit as citizens of this country, who else must be able to protect us? You know, all the intervention that they've done have not come with the positive uh, results. And Lefo, uh, you said that there's a delegation meeting with the presidency. What kind of response have you received from the presidency? The meeting have not started yet. We'll wait uh, from them to come out of the meeting. As soon as they come there, uh, out of that meeting, we'll be able to tell what is the response. We are not in a position of a response at the moment. 
Lefa, thank you very much. Lefa and Kala, the leader of the Dipsluit Community Forum, speaking to us there about the concerns of residents, uh, issues around crime. As long as I can remember, there have been concerns around around crime. If you've read Anton Harbour's excellent book on Dipsluit um, and the, the history there of the relationship between the community and the police as well, the Community Policing Forum, uh, this is an issue that uh, has really been around for a long time. So what does that permanent solution look like, as Lefa was describing there? Uh, is President Cyril Ramaphosa the, the panacea for all of these problems? We saw the same thing in Westbury, where the community wanted Cyril Ramaphosa to, to come out and meet with them, and Becky Kele came instead. Does this get anything done? Is this the, the panacea? Can they fix the, the problems just by having senior political uh, figures coming to visit, or is it more fundamental? Is it more structural? How do we solve these problems around policing? The Midday Report. Well, from Dipsluit, let's go to the Western Cape where the provincial treasury is assessing the financial implications of the province's flooding. We know that there have been at least two fatalities, a displacement of thousands of people, uh, extensive infrastructure damage as well. Uh, we are going to speak to Kevin Brunt, our reporter, in a little while. He's also trying to get to some of those areas, uh, particularly around the, the Cedarburg region uh, where some roads have been affected. But let's check in with Anton Britt who is the MEC for Local Government, Environmental Affairs and Development Planning. MEC, uh, thank you for your time again. Good to have you back on the show. What is the, the lay of the land in the province at the moment? What is the extent of the damage? Thank you, Mandy. Um, at this stage, it's early days. Um, we, we only can guess a bit. Um, it's, it's a thumbsuck figure if, if agriculture tells you they round about a billion Million rand, but that's only agriculture. Um, obviously, the province is doing assessments, but we we first need to focus to to help the people that that cut off. Um, especially, you mentioned that the Citrus Dal area. So there's teams working <coughs> and fixing roads and, and 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 creating access roads so that we can get to the people. Um, and that operation is going quite well. We're also helping ESCOM with helicopter support to get them. To, to, to the rural areas where they must uh, fix the, the electricity and getting power up and running back into the towns of Citrus Dahl, Friedenburg, um, Dahl, those areas. Also, um, it's widespread, you must remember, and on the other side, the mayor in Overstrand, <coughs> busy working with ESCOM there, as well as the municipalities support the people, as well as Breeder Valley. Um, so our mayors, our councillors on the ground working. And then another problem is the, the water the pumps, a lot of pumps um, sucked in mud, etc. So we need to open up that those pumps and get get the quality of the water fixed so that there's quality of water in the reservoir. So so it's an ongoing operation. And then obviously talking to our disaster management people to look at the classification. We as a province can classify it as a disaster, but after we've done an assessment, so the first process is to do an assessment, then we will do a classification and national will then and be in a position to declare it a disaster, after which we will apply for extra funding to support us and to rectify our road system and infrastructure that we've lost. There, there were um, heavy rains anticipated, MEC, but you, I imagine, wouldn't have foreseen the extent of infrastructure damage that was caused by these floods. Is this something that you could have planned for, budgeted for, uh, or it, does it now require, as you say, a state of disaster or, or provincial state of disaster being declared so you can apply for more funding? Well, Mandy, if you look at what has happened over the last five years, from, from the Neisner fire to avian flu to um, 
COVID, um, load shedding, and now this. So we, we, we're running from a disaster to a disaster. We learn and we've built the system over 15 years. I think the system worked and it helped us to save a lot of lives. We've, we've managed last week, Wednesday, um, the weather service sits in our disaster management center and when they flagged this risk, we <laughs> went to the Burke River and we said to the people living under the bridges, etc., we must move you, you must get out of harm's way, etc. And that in itself saved a lot of lives. Obviously, after a disaster, you, in a disaster, you, you play the hand in front of you, you try to save lives, you try to accommodate the people, get them back to normality as soon as possible, and then you will do an assessment and say, listen, let, what can we do better, first of all? And what what planning mechanisms can we use in the future to 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 we won't be able with climate change to prevent it, but to 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 to, to control it better, keep um, cleaning of our rivers, our streams, etc. It's progress. It's programs that we will need to institute um, alien vegetation to clear clear alien vegetation quicker. There, so so we learn a lot of lessons, but but we won't be able to prevent it. I don't think so. MEC, thank you very much. Uh, MEC Anton Bradell, the MEC for Local Government, Environmental Affairs and Development Planning. Uh, they are busy assessing the damage, the cost of all of that as well. As we mentioned, uh, the area around Citrus Dull still being affected by that road collapse. Kevin Brunt, EWN reporter in that area for us. Uh, Kevin, what's the situation there today? Where exactly are you and, and, and what's the access like into that area? Very good afternoon to you, Mandy, at the moment. I'm next to a road leading to a landing strip. I believe more relief aid for residents of Citrus Dull are being flown through, so I'm going to catch up with that chopper from the gift of the givers later. As far as the repair work being undertaken at that main access road leading into the town of Citrus Dull, that is still being worked on by civil engineers as well as other technicians we're now trying to level that piece of, uh, piece of ground. It is about an 80 to 100 meter gap in that main access road that they're now trying to fix. The indication coming from the municipality that it will take about a week at least for them to fix one lane of that road and then further construction on that site will be taking place. And that is the biggest headache, uh, if I can refer to it in that way, for the town at this present moment as that cuts off very easy access to the town. A lot of people are still trapped on the inside of Citrus Dell, unable to make their way as they work on the other side of the N7 highway to that side. Um, farmers yesterday told me already that they had to get other people in to come and assist with the work there. Earlier today, I also got to speak to some of the business owners within the town itself, who explained to me that some of them are not able to get generators and to buy fuel to run these generators to keep their shops open and to keep their fridges going. Just listen to what they told me, Mandy. This Monday is very terrible, huh? and you know we are totally shut down, and we have to get some solar panel of uh, just to light up the shop, and we have to get generator to run the fridge, and you know it's cost and diesel, all those things. So it's not easy actually, but we try to cope. We have no choice. What can we do? Most of the customers, they, they understand the situation, actually. Obviously, like, everything was actually offline. So yesterday it was cash only. They understood that. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't give us any hassle when it comes to that, yeah. Because it's, it was like how they, how 
how the town was actually running yesterday it was only cash only and if you don't have cash like for some that have got network maybe at home whatsoever some just give them the the the, the receipt and they make an eft or so thank you very much to kevin brunt for bringing us uh, those voices out of citrus Dal. the midday report well, in light of uh, all of that, let's get a sense of what the weather is uh, go- coming um, with the forecast at the Weather Service, Samke Twala. Samke, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much uh, for your time. The Western Cape uh, officials are dealing with assessing the damage, uh, but will there be some reprieve for, uh, for them with uh, weather over the next day or two? Okay, um, good afternoon to you and <clears throat> good afternoon to the listeners as well. Um, it seems like uh, with regards to uh, the rainfall that is expected, there should be a clearance of uh, the rainfall already from this afternoon. And then into um, Thursday and Friday, there's some clearance with those temperatures starting to um, slightly recover. However, into the weekend on uh, Saturday, we are expecting another cold front to actually make landfall. So it is bringing in about some rainfall over uh, the Western Cape um, into sun, persisting rather into Sunday. Um, yes, in terms sure. of the, um, the rainfall. And Samke, how, how big, what is the scale of that cold front? Um, the cold front at the moment, it seems like um, it doesn't look as promising. It seems like at the moment uh, it's not bringing in a lot of rainfall. So this is more of a normal winter um, cold front, not necessarily bringing in high accumulation of uh, the rainfall figures. Samke, thank you so much. Uh, Samke Twala, forecaster at the Weather Service, giving us a sense of what you can expect in the Western Cape uh, as she describes there another cold front due to hit on Saturday. The Midday Report. Several court cases uh, to look at. We're going to look at the issue of Tabo Besta's attorney appearing in court today, a former cabinet minister uh, being uh, on trial as well, Bongani Bongo. Uh, but the big breaking news story this morning is that the former National Health Chief Director, communications and spokesperson Popo Maja has appeared in court in Pretoria in the Specialised Commercial Crimes Court. He's been charged with corruption for allegedly receiving a 15,000 rand bribe, 15,000 rand, to influence the awarding of a 141 million rand tender to Digital Vibes. I don't know, 15,000 rand, does that make sense to influence a 141 million rand tender? Something there doesn't seem right to me. Anyway, he has now been granted 5,000 rand bail by the Specialised Commercial Crimes Court. The court has ordered that both his passports be surrendered. That matter has been postponed to the 19th of July for disclosure of the contents of the docket to Maja's lawyer. So for those of us in the media space, obviously we would have dealt with Popo Maja a lot. He was a spokesperson uh, in the the, the first, first few months of, of the COVID pandemic as well. So I think that took a lot of people by surprise, although he had actually been suspended uh, previously. So if you remember this whole story, uh, he had been suspended. There was recommendations that he be suspended for a year, uh, along with the Deputy Director General of Health as well, and demoted from their post. So that's the big breaking news story. That's the one case we are looking at today. The other, as I mentioned, is that uh, Bongani Bongo and his co-accused are standing trial in the Nelspray Specialized Commercial Crimes Court. So progress is happening, people. There's progress. Uh, so let's uh, get an update on the uh, trial involving um, Bongani Bongo with Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter. Bernadette, good afternoon to you. Yesterday we spoke. Uh, the first witness had taken the stand and it was somebody who was in supply chain management. Uh, what developments have there been today? 
Mm. As you mentioned, Thabo Mishile, who's the head of SCM at the Mpumalanga Department of Human Settlements, um, was the first witness to take the stand yesterday. He's still on the stand today. Um, he's actually just wrapped up his evidence in chief, and we've just sort of started with the cross-examination. Now, obviously, there are um, a total of 17 accused in this case, so the cross-examination will likely take a little while um, because he needs to obviously be cross-examined by each of the accused um, legal representatives. So that's that's where we're at at the moment with the case. And in terms of, of Bongani Bongo, his approach to this trial, has he been speaking at all, Bernadette, about uh, about how he feels about it? Um, we did. We did ask him if he if he had any comment on Monday when the trial got underway, and and he um, opted not not to comment. But previously, he has been quoted as saying that this case is politically motivated, um, and and that he doesn't believe there's any merit to it, and essentially that he believes he's the victim of um, a political sort of. Uh, politically motivated agenda um, in this case. So so we do know that that's been his approach in the past. Now with the trial underway, um, it's, it's, it makes sense that he might not want to speak. Um, we don't know if he's going to testify himself, if he's going to take the stand himself um, when it comes time for the defence to, to make its case. Um, but obviously when, when you do have someone who does intend on, on taking the stand or who does take the stand, they're usually a bit hesitant to speak to media um, ahead of that because obviously whatever they say to the media um, can, can kind of be compared to what they say when they're on the stand. Bernadette, thank you very much. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, following the, the former state security minister and ANC MP Bongani Bongo, along with uh, 16 others currently standing trial facing around 70 uh, plus odd charges of, of graft. All of this to do with dodgy land deals dating back more than a decade. The Midday Report. Well, let's stay in the courts. Uh, yesterday, Tabo Besta appearing virtually in court. Nandipa Magudamana also appearing in court. And the big developing story there was that Tabo Besta's lawyers had withdrawn. One of his attorneys, who uh, had previously represented him, appearing himself in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court today. So that's the lawyer, right? If you've uh, not followed this, the actual lawyer is has appeared as an accused. He's accused of attempted rape, uh, an incident in, uh, that allegedly took place in March of this year. Oren Singh following the story for us. So Oren, what do we know about this case? Uh, so, Mandy, we know that um, the accused, who we can't name until he pleads guilty because, or well, guilty or not guilty, and in, uh, which will happen in a trial stage because it's a sexual offence case. Um, he was arrested uh, on the 25th of March. The alleged incident allegedly took place on the 8th of March, so a couple of days before his arrest. Um, but uh, let's uh, now get here from uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Tabo Kovane, who's the spokesperson for Free State Steps, regarding the details surrounding the arrest. According to the report made to the member of Family Violence, Child Protection and Sexual Offences Unit by the 34-year-old complainant and victim in the case, she arrived at the 27-year-old suspect's unit of an estate situated in Topsy, Smith Street, Langhoven Park, on Wednesday, the 8th March, 2023. The victim alleges that they had a conversation before the suspect dragged her to the bedroom and forcefully attempted to undress her. The victim further alleges that the suspect assaulted her. She managed to... 
So, Aaron, what uh, what else happened in court today and, and what happens next? Uh, basically, it was a very brief appearance, Mandy. We understand that there was a lot of first appearances uh, to be heard by the magistrate's court this morning. He appeared just before lunch and uh, it was postponed to the 7th of July for further investigations. Um, obviously, police have been mum as to what needs to be done, um, but serious charges. And we heard yesterday that himself, as long as well as uh, Tabo Bester's advocate, recused themselves from the matter. They say that they had a chat, consulted with best to himself and they came to the decision that it would be best that they recuse themselves um, we know that the advocate that was formerly representing best to himself was also facing a serious <laughs> corruption charge so quite uh, quite some uh, interesting developments in this uh, ever-changing Tabo Besta saga uh, Gallery of Rogues Oren thank you so much uh, Oren Singh giving us an update there one of Tabo Besta's previous attorneys appearing in court today charged with attempted rape The Midday Report that's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.